Welcome back to the Cream City Club podcast. I am Spencer Michaelis, and I'm here again with Gunnar Amelunk. Gunnar, how are you doing tonight? Howdy. And we're doing all right. Uh, got some more Bucks talk for you guys, so ready to go. Yes, we do. Yeah, this episode is going to be focused on the Bucks. Um, and if you are listening and you haven't yet subscribed on whatever platform you're listening on, please take a moment to do so. And while you're at it, if you haven't rated us five stars, that would be greatly appreciated as well. So without further ado, let's get into the last three games since we last spoke about the Bucks. Um, they had, we, we kind of previewed the Celtics game on the last pod. Um, that was the one loss out of the three games. They were able to beat the Wizards and the Blazers, maybe not as convincingly as we would all hope, but a win is a win in the end. Um, but kind of starting with the headliner as far as the matchups go, that Bucks celtics game, Gunner, what were your thoughts or your takeaways from that one? Oof, I got a lot. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep the, the negativity to a, a minimum. I'll try to. Um, but for before the smaller stuff, um, just breaking it down a little bit. I, I was excited again, kind of like that Mavericks game. I wanted to see going to be a theme here over these next three games of me saying this, but I wanted to see more Andre Jackson, especially against those ball handlers with uh Tatum and Brown. And we know Drew that he's not exactly the greatest ball handler and um Derek White, we've obviously seen too. So kind of going back to that 2022 playoffs, I was looking more forward to small tangent. Of course, that's classic gunner uh, in that series game one we pressured the ball a lot and we're like oh this is perfect this is exactly what we want to see this is that's exactly how you would draw it up and then we didn't do it for the rest of the series and then we ended up losing so that's why even without chris that series i was more of like oh we could we probably should have won that series but obviously we got a big excuse not having chris going back now fast forward to this one i would have liked to seen getting marjan back obviously for this game too we did see that them match up against Tatum and Brown a little bit. Um, I didn't like Marjan against Brown as much. Um, I think Brown's just a little too shifty for him. And what I've noticed from Marjan too is he isn't as lateral quickness as I maybe would have hoped or thought. Um, he's still a good defender to me, but just not the best matchup. I actually would have flipped that a little bit. I probably would have put Andre on Brown and then Marjan on Tatum just to kind of see what that could have done, but. Um, again, I liked Andre again. He, the game was getting out of hand, and once he came in, it kind of de-escalated it a little bit. And then he was brought the energy, and obviously we saw him jawing off to the bench and everything. And after his made three, and it just seemed like that kind of flipped the game on its head. Um, at least make made a game of it. Um, it still wasn't even really that close until the end. Um, but uh, as far as this defense goes, um. For me, guys were just sort of a little too much all over the place. And um, shout out to Bucks Film Room because I probably shot him out a couple times in my little spiel here. But um, he posted a couple clips that I noticed, but he definitely pointed out and was very concerning to me. But guys, to me, just going back on our other podcast and what we've talked about all along is guys are just so freaking confused in this defense it's unbelievable and guys were all over the place in that game um 
I'm trying to find a way to describe this, but it's almost like this happened with the kid defense too, but just a part of it where guys almost kind of get sucked into like watching the ball almost in this kind of kind of sinking into the paint area and just like, oh, I'm just going to forget about my man and um, I'll probably lose him in a switch or whatever, but, you know, who cares? I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm like there to help, but I'm not actually there to help. It's kind of like a weird thing that they do. Like, yeah, you're kind of in passing lanes, and that's probably what the point of it is to kind of get turnovers and stuff. And um, you're trying to sneak and catch him off guard and steal the ball, but we don't tend to do that a lot. And I think to me that was just kind of a bad matchup um, against a team who shoots a lot of threes and makes a lot of threes. I think you're just kind of enticing them to do that, <laughs> which to me wasn't exactly the best game plan. Um, but again, I'll toss it to you, so I'm not talking a lot, but as far as the small pitcher stuff, because you probably got a lot to say in that stuff. But last thing that I noticed, um, Buck's film room again to shout him out. He had a play. I just thought this play was funny where um, Marjan it's to me, this is kind of where the coaching staff comes into play. Cause it's like guys are executing what they want them to do almost in a way. And Marjan was, it was a play where he was like a kind of like a low pick and roll kind of like by the elbow. And Marjan was like almost enticing Brown to get the ball with zero help. And then like around a pick and then he gets the ball and just like drives it in for a layup or a dunk or whatever. And it's just like, so we executed what we wanted to do, but guys were, again, either lost, and I don't remember who was in at that point. It might have been Bobby or Brooke, but um, there's just two different wavelengths that these guys were on. and um, Yeah, I mean, I wanted to kick it to you just to I probably touched on a lot that you want to touch on before I get into the bigger picture stuff, but wondering if you saw some of that same stuff that I was seeing and um, how much did it annoy you as well? <laughs> yeah. I definitely saw a lot of what you were seeing. Um, the thing for me is that what you talked about a couple of years ago, obviously that's that series and Javon Carter was the guy who was pressuring the ball and actually able to do it. I don't know. I mean, they did stop full court pressing after that, but I don't think they like stopped pressuring the ball. Like Drew was still picking up at half court and George Hill was still trying to pick guys up early the issue was that Drew was the only one who could at that point. And to me, that's where the problem comes in with it's a roster problem and an Adrian Griffin problem. Like he's got to coach the roster he has. Having Bobby Portis guarding guys out at 35 feet doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make, I mean, he's dropped Brooke back. It's okay to have Bobby like blitz on a pick and roll or do something like that. But if he's just straight up guarding somebody out there, he's not going to be able to handle it. And if somebody, has, especially a ball handler of some sort, like people like Bobby aren't going to be able to handle it. People like Marjan aren't going to be able to handle it. But if you tell Marjan to play in a, you know, you're not sinking in and giving them three pointers, but you're, you're maybe not picking them up as early and you're leaving less room on the floor for them to operate. So I just think in general, that game really highlighted how ball pressure is really, it can be really good. And coming from a team like the Raptors, when he had OG and not and he had, I mean, Siakam, he had just a ton of good on ball defenders who could pressure. They were long, they were athletic. They could move laterally. They could guard out to the 
out to half court and it wasn't really an issue and they could get their hands in passing lanes and yet still recover and still be able to contest the three. The Bucks don't have a roster built for that. And that showed a lot early in that Celtics game. They honestly, I mean, the Celtics stopped shooting at an insane rate like they were early on. And part of that was wide open shots. Some of that was that they were just super hot and that does play into this sometimes, but I noticed a lot of the same things. I thought maybe the most disappointing thing for me was watching Marjan and and Chris shading Jalen Brown to his right still and letting him go right and almost forcing him right at times. Like, yes, you can't just give him baseline or give him an easy one, two dribble left hand because he will, he can do that. He's capable of that. You make him put the ball down on the floor three, four times with his left hand. He's genuinely incapable of doing that at least consistently so stuff like that where like that's a coaching thing to me I was hoping Bud wasn't good at it either this is not just a knock on Griffin but to me I was hoping that type of like specific game plan by player would improve and it didn't look like it did in that Celtics game at all so I don't know that that game was frustrating I actually thought the Bucks were the better team for three quarters but they started or close to three quarters at least, but they started so mm-hmm. bad that they didn't really. Well, Dame, Dame had that funny quote too after the game where he was, I think it was that game, maybe it was another it was. game or, yeah, and where he was like, uh, you know, teams don't always start out faster, balls to the wall, but, you know, it's whatever. Like, it's just, we'll, we'll find our way. It's just like, well, you could start, <laughs> you could go balls to the wall and actually get yourself a nice lead. And then you could, you know, do what they did and you just kind of get to coast a little bit. Um, and it's funny that it comes from Dame because sort of my bigger picture of that game was the classic Dame slow start that we saw and that we've been seeing all year. Um, you look at the final box score, he probably had a solid game again. Cause obviously he turned it up when it was Dame time. Um, and he also said that he wasn't really bothered by the guards as much. And that, that's kind of what I saw too. It wasn't like they were, um, they weren't like really pressing him or anything either. They just kind of, he missed a lot of open shots early. Yeah. Like it, it didn't really seem like, looks. yeah, he wasn't bothered. Um, and then Giannis, we found out that he was maybe sick in that game too. Um, he missed countless easy buckets that, um, Guarded by Drew, like you said, so that was a good call by you for the most part. Um, and he was even getting by. I mean, Drew had a couple pokeaways for sure, um, which Giannis, that's classic. And against a guy like Drew, he can't hold on to the ball. So um, that's just a match made in heaven for everybody who doesn't want to watch that. But um, like I said, he was getting to the paint and actually getting good looks. He just literally missed them. <laughs> Um, yeah. and I guess credit to classic Al Horford, I guess, too, making it semi-difficult, but I mean, those were shots that I expect Giannis to make. So, um, we'll chalk that up as that he was actually sick, but, um, I don't know, I, hopefully. And then Chris, kind of the same thing as Dame hit or missed so many easy shots that he classically makes that a lot of those, like short floaters that he makes yeah. or like the little middies that he kind of gets where no one in his face at all. And he missed a couple layups or at least one for sure that could have flipped the game list, got us in a different direction. But I guess if you look at it that way with all of the easy shots that we missed too, I mean, damn, he could have won by 10 if that was the case um, by the end of it. But yeah. Um, Brooke had a good night again too. Um, kind of call back again. That was like game seven of that series where 
Brooke was actually doing good. And then we didn't go to him as much as I kind of thought we should. He was like seven for 10, eight for 10 at one point. It's like, well, yep. let's just keep feeding them. He's the one guy who can actually make the shots, um, which we did the next game, which we'll talk about. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, big picture for that one. It's at least we made a game of it by the end. And after these three games, we'll obviously break down why we do this to ourselves. So the <laughs> first half versus the second half, but um I guess like I'm encouraged by the end of that game and um, Dame, we, it was funny seeing Dame versus Drew because that was literally why we got Dame at the end of that game and Drew missed a couple big shots. It's a couple of shots. I understand that obviously Drew's hit a lot of big shots for us. That was actually, even in the playoffs, that's what he would do is hit big shots. Even if he had a bad shooting night, he would he somehow was 17, but he was going to still shoot yeah. that step back and he might hit it about 50% of the time for some reason. I love those memes where they're like, he was shooting tour dates, but he was. Uh, and then you hit the big one. But Dame, like I said, we got him. That's why we got him for that time. And he was hitting a lot of big shots. So, um, yeah, I mean, big picture, like I said, it was encouraged by the end of it. And we know what happened in the next two games. So, <laughs> I guess yeah, I guess we didn't correct very much. So, no. And I am, you touched on Chris's struggles, especially early in that game. Knowing that he ended up leaving the next game with his injury, I am curious if that was already starting to bother him because he's not quick laterally in general, but he was not moving well in that Celtics game. Yeah. I think you even texted me at one point and said, like, this is the worst Chris has been moving all year. And That's actually true, yeah. And yeah. we didn't have a – we'll talk about the Wizards game. I guess we probably can slide into it. But yeah, there wasn't a play that they pointed to that said, like, oh, like a replay, like here's where Chris did it. It was just he walked off the floor. And it was yeah. just like, oh. He's hurt. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, yeah, we can, we can just jump into that wizards game now. So we'll, we'll start with Chris. So I think it was a minute and a half into the second half when he left. Um, yeah. It was like two minutes. Yeah. He, he left with Achilles tendonitis. Of course, me being a, uh, a college athlete myself, I am very accustomed to looking at WebMD and freaking myself out over injuries um, so I did the same with Chris and I looked it up and I was like, oh, it says it's a likely 12 week absence for Achilles tendonitis. And then on Sunday, Adrian Griffin said that he was day to day and he wasn't going to rule him out for playing Tuesday. Now the injury report came out today and he's listed as questionable. So what does WebMD know? They don't know anything, but, uh, let's say he's listed as questionable. We've kind of seen it before where somebody looks like they might be ready and then it goes poorly in pregame and all of a sudden it does become a long absence still. So if that does happen and God forbid he does end up having an extended absence, what do you think that would mean for the Bucks going forward? Do you, let's say it is 12 weeks, which is, you know, three months, basically we're getting to the all-star break without Chris. What does that mean? And how hard would it be for the Bucks to maintain it like a decent spot in the standings without him? Yeah, I mean, we obviously touched on this a little bit before in the other podcast of when it was smaller pitcher and um, a smaller window. But again, it's it's hard doing this when you have twenty twenty vision of what we did the next game without him because we'll talk about that again. But how I'd replace it is I've been begging to have Andre Jackson in the starting lineup. I mean, you just if he's out for twelve weeks, you have to find an answer at that point. Like you, there is no more like trial and there is a little bit obviously because you got to figure out who can actually play and who can't um especially with jay out for 
and Jay, six, yeah, seven more weeks still. Yeah, half of that if it is twelve weeks, which again we found out that it might be questionable that he can even play tomorrow. So I mean, this is doomsday scenario, but right. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you just it, it's almost weird too because you have to find an answer quickly. But even though it's early in the season, um, weirdly enough, obviously out of the three, the three headed snake that we've got, I mean, if it's got to be one of them, it, you're okay, oh, I guess, yeah. with Chris. For sure, obviously, I think you could still win a championship if more of a doomsday scenario. If Chris can't play this year, obviously, I hope he can. Um, and he definitely will be able to, but um, we could manage it for sure. And similar to another topic that we had, I would just, I think we could get like a top four seed still for the next, you know, three months if we had to. And we could manage it. It's just how encouraged I am if that could happen. I don't know because we just can't figure out rotations still yet, it seems like. And ripping a big piece like that out seems like that's even a bigger question because now you're even more searching to f- try to see who sticks and who doesn't stick. Um, but yeah, I mean, that'd probably be more of Pat. And um, from what we've seen, obviously from Adrian, it's probably going to be more of Pat. And then um, unfortunately, somehow more of campaign at shooting guard. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we'll see. Somehow. It'll be that and Beasley at small forward. We got to put, all yeah, of the six, three, three and under guys on the court at once. But yeah, I agree with everything you said. I mean, it it's the one of the three that you can definitely get by without him, but you'd certainly prefer not to have to do that. Um, I know a lot of people are, and honestly, I don't blame people at this point for being concerned in general with his health. I mean, this is starting to rack up yeah. quite a few and I get it. I, I hear you. It's not, a good spot for him to be in right now, but I do think something super important to remember with Chris is that his game is not built on athleticism. And to me, those are the guys who can kind of fight through injuries or come back from injuries a lot better than the ones who their whole game relied on jumping higher than other people or being quicker than other people. And I think he's kind of always had an old man game. So it kind of works out. Yeah. Even if he does lose a step, I mean, defensively, it's, it could be a little bit bigger of an issue. He's never quick laterally like we talked about. But if you really can't move laterally, then it becomes an issue. I think he – I'll be curious. If he continues to get hurt, I wouldn't hate him being in, like, the older – I mean, Manu was always a six-man, but, like, older Spurs Manu when he was not playing starter minutes off the bench but just – playing 20 to 25 most nights and maybe 30 on a good night. Like I could see him being really good in that role, especially with this roster. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Hope he could play tomorrow and all of this will not matter. And it won't be, it'll all be for not, but um, yeah, I guess we've touched on that enough. Let's talk a little bit. We'll talk about the wizards and blazers games kind of at the same time here, because the theme was, very similar throughout both of them. I was going to say, yeah. I had a lot of the same notes. Yeah. So, bad start against a bad team. Looked like they were just lacking energy uh, on both ends. And, obviously, part of it was just that shots weren't falling early on. Again, kind of like we talked about with that Celtics game where they were still getting decent. I'm not concerned about the offense. I think they're going to get a ton of open looks. And, eventually, most of these are going to go in. Not most, but at a reasonable rate, they're going to go in. And we're already top five with that even being right. considered. So yeah. <laughs> it's just those falling. Now we're yeah, cruising. The, the offense should, 
I don't know if they're catching the Pacers unbelievably torrid offense in offensive rating or anything, but I think they should easily stick in the top five for the whole season, and that shouldn't even be a question. The defense, on the other hand, we've talked about it a lot, but it's just there's a totally different energy when they decide to turn it on, and that is kind of what gives me hope with what Griffin is aiming to do defensively because their clutch time defense is absurd. It's the best in the NBA. And yes, there's poor shooting involved in that from other teams. Some of it is just that the Bucks have gotten pretty lucky about not other teams, just not hitting big shots and open shots in big moments. But I do think it's noticeable when you watch that suddenly there's a different energy guys are, not just helping, but recovering. They're not just staying with their guy, but they are getting a hand in there to make somebody think twice about driving, but also not leaving their guy. Like you can see how Griffin might view this as a feasible defense in those moments. I think my concern with it is that I don't know that it's a defense that an older roster and a, and a not super athletic roster can actually perform for 48 minutes or for a full series in the playoffs like I think they can turn it on and I think they can turn it on for longer than they have been don't get me wrong I think part of this is absolutely just laziness and regular season type of effort from the Bucks, a team that knows that okay we can get behind to a bad team like this and we still have plenty of time to come back but I do think that you have to be able to do multiple things and we'll touch on it in a little bit, but I'm not 100% sure that the players are 100% bought in on what Griffin is mm-hmm. trying defensively. So I think that's shown in the first half, and then that will to want to win comes out, and that changes how they approach the game in the second half. I that's We're getting a little bit like, that's a guess. Like, that's not, I, there's obviously no way to prove any of that. So... To me, that's there is a little bit because I mean, we we got a stat too. Recently, I think we're in in clutch time moments. We're literally a top two offense, and I might even be one now actually after that Blazers game. But we're top one offense, top like one or two defense. How yep. is that possible <laughs> with this yeah. group? It's and like that was the one thing I highlighted for these two games was. I hate hearing it, especially in that kid era, but it literally is potentially just energy and effort at that point. <laughs> Think of a flip when you literally in the biggest moment of the game, you can turn it on like that. And then you can just get smoked in transition during the game and you can just act like you don't care and not like you don't care, but that's what it seems like sometimes. And in that wizards game, I found this stat too. It was 22 ties and 19 lead changes to the Washington wizards. That is just <laughs> unbelievable how you can just not flip a switch and obviously, I, I got to shout out Brooke for that game because if we didn't have Brooke Lopez, we'd easily lose that game. Not even oh. close. We, Every time we needed a big basket when it was tied, he got us in the lead. Brooke has been unbelievably good since they let him yeah. go back in a drop on defense. I think he was overexerting himself on the defensive end, trying to keep yeah. up with everything else, and it was hurting him on offense too. He is, I mean, he's passing better than I've ever seen him pass. Like he's he's hitting cutters out of a high post and stuff that I've never seen him do. He's playing like Brooklyn Brook when he gets in the post and he's still knocking down shots. And I mean, Dame said it after that game, but he said 
it's gotten to the point where it's, he said, I feel kind of like I do when I shoot it, meaning Dame, when Brooks shoots it, like, I just think it's going to go in. Like I have that much confidence. Yeah. Like I have no issue with him pulling a deep three because I, I think he can and will make it. And that's a pretty big thing for someone like Dame to say about you as a shooter. Like if he's trusting you to shoot that much, that's, that's a big deal. And he, he's been unbelievably good for a, a while now. And the, these three games, especially he was fantastic. So I don't think we can rely on Brooke to do that all the time. Just that age and the amount of energy he has to exert to run up and down the court. And you could see he was gassed at times at the end of the wizards and the blazers games, but he's, he's one that I don't know that we've seen. Even when the whole team is kind of struggling to find energy, it seems like he doesn't show it as much as Bobby does, but you can tell Brooks working like he's running the court. He's doing a lot of things that, some of the other players are not doing and yeah, you got to give him a ton of props because this dude has been, his career was over before he joined the bucks. People were done with Brooke and right now he looks like he could be an all-star center again and it wouldn't be yeah undeserved. So yeah, no, that's a, that is a really good point. Um, yeah, do you have anything the, else specifically you want to talk about? On yeah. I mean, I, I just wanted to highlight, um, the three pointers in the Trailblazers game, obviously the first half, they they might even threw like a Hail Mary up. It was started out like ten of fourteen or something, ten of fifteen. I just kept texting you every time they made a shot to update you. And it just kept getting worse. And then you could flip it again in the second half and they go like three of seventeen. Um but I think over that three game stretch that we've been gone, it's teams have shot forty percent from three. So I feel like at some point it's not it's a like you can say, oh, it's just lucky and like maybe it is just energy, but at some point maybe it's just who you are. Maybe we are just giving up too many threes and too many opportunities because it kind of all balances out at some point. But um, I mean, clearly our defense locked in in that second half and we had a ton of turnovers to sloppiness in that Trailblazers game where it, I think it was 21 to 11 for the entire game. And Dame even had a couple weird ones that he doesn't normally have where we were trying to get back into the game and he just had like two blatantly like, Oh, I never done that before where he's just stupid passes. Um, but obviously I trust him in big situations, but just weird stuff like that. And um, a lot of more easy misses Dame again in that game. I mean, if he makes his dunk as two layups, that's a whole different game as far as the end of the stat line. And then Bobby finally with they we had zero bench points, I think in the first half and then Bobby just completely, flip that and yeah. actually stepped up after having a couple of rough ones too. So she probably shot him out for that Blazers game. And, um, you know, he hasn't, I always, I, I said he started out the year pretty good and he's had a pretty rough stretch, I guess, since we've last talked, but um, he's looked fine to me overall. It's just, he's got to be able to make shots and our bench, even more of a reason to have Malik Beasley in the bench for me too, is when your bench is literally not producing that much on top of it, you could have two guys right there that could score together and um, work together probably pretty well too. So um, yeah, I mean, it's just frustrating games again for those two, but um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll definitely, definitely take the wins. I guess we've kind of talked about it already, but well, actually let's give, we're in the business of getting shout outs today. It sounds like so last seven games for Dame really seems to have found his groove. Like 
it was honestly, I kind of didn't even notice it was going as well as it was in general. I was pretty shocked when I saw the stats, but 28.9 points per game, eight assists per game, 4.7 rebounds per game. I believe it's only two turnovers per game and he's shooting 45%, 39 from three and 91 from the line. Like that's a, that's a fantastic line. Yeah. That's <laughs> what you really want. feel like he put up a 29, eight and five stat line over that stretch, but he's starting to make threes. That's clear with the 39%. I still think, I mean, we're due at some point for him to have a eight, nine, three point game where he's just knocking down everything. Like we've seen him do in the past. He hasn't really had a blow up yet. I don't think he's made more than maybe six in a game, five or six. He's, he's finding his groove. And he's putting up numbers, and I still don't think he's really anywhere close to where he thinks he can be and where I'm pretty sure he can get to. So that's been really nice to see. Um, and end of the Blazers game, he had a couple of really nice defensive plays, including the taking a charge down the stretch. And he was all over a few passing lanes and poking the ball away a little bit at the end. He did the same in the Celtics game, too. He He's the one who honestly has been able to – you can tell when he kind of flips a switch defensively and all of a sudden he's trying and he's one I would prefer to start seeing that happen a little bit more often and at least a little earlier, but we'll, we'll touch on all of that in a second, but yeah, it has really, it has been really good to see him get going. And I don't know if you've got any thoughts on his little run here. No, I mean, we kind of the tail of the podcast again too, is he's missed a lot of easy shots too. So imagine what his, shots could actually look like on top of that and he's already got a great stat line so it just feels like it's going to keep getting better and better with him and the more he gets comfortable and a lot of slow starts too so once he just kind of evens out it's just all going to be a lot better and a lot easier for him too so you touched on there and we've touched on it a bunch of times throughout the podcast today but these slow starts it's it's clearly become an issue at this point in the season. They've been able to overcome it against bad teams. They've been able to almost overcome it against good teams, but not quite reach that. Get, they weren't able to come back all the way in that Celtics game or in any of the other games against good teams that they put themselves in a hole. So I had a tweet on Sunday that ended up looking sort of dumb by the end of the huge comeback, but I'm not 100% sure I was wrong with my observation. And I said, I don't really, whether you believe in what Griffin's ideologies are or not, it would be hard for me to believe that people are watching this Bucks team and thinking to themselves that the players are bought in to what Griffin is selling them as his vision. And obviously when they make a 26 point comeback and end up winning the game and clearly brought a lot more energy in the second half, it did look like, okay, maybe is that what buying in is? Is did they just buy in now to me? That's, and I said it earlier in the podcast a little bit, but, to me, that comeback is based on wanting to win games and not wanting to lose the game and realizing that, okay, we got to start really trying. There was a really good clip from J.J. Redick. It was a couple weeks ago. He was with the two guys from the Dunker Spot podcast, which is another great NBA podcast. When those three are together, I, I don't listen to his podcast all the time, but when those three are together, I tune in because I think that's some of the best basketball talk in general that you're going to get. And I can't remember who asked JJ, but they said, how important is buy-in to a team? And it was in reference to the Bucks. And this was right after the first Raptors game when they got blown out. So take that 
with a grain of salt in terms of like what the timing of this was. But Reddick basically said he he thinks it's 75, 80% of the entire thing. He said if they don't, players are not dumb and players understand what they're capable of. And for the most part, they understand what their teammates and their team are capable of. And Reddick said that if they don't believe that what you're doing is going to work, they're not going to purposely not try or not try to win games, but that extra energy that you get when you're all in and you really want, like you really believe in what you're doing. And I think everyone has that. Like when you're doing anything in life in general, like if you're bought into it and you really want to do it, you're going to try harder. And that doesn't mean you're not going to try at all in stuff that you're not excited to do or things you don't want to do. Like, but you get an extra bit of juice when you're bought into what you're doing and what is being sold to you. And to me, that's what's lacking right now. I don't see it from the team. I don't see the first half stuff is why I'm so concerned about that. And when you're putting yourself in big holes and you're really not finding that energy until you're in such a big hole that you have to have that, or you're going to be put away immediately. That to me isn't buying. That's just, again, that's almost a panicked, like, okay, we got to, figure it out now and go win this game. And I get it. I, if I were in that spot, I was always a player in my sports that even if I wasn't most talented, I was going to play very hard no matter what. But if I didn't believe in what was happening on the field, there's definitely a feeling of like, why am I trying this hard? Like, why am I going to put in all this work if I don't think it's in the end going to work? And that's kind of what I've been seeing so far. And that doesn't mean it can't change. And that doesn't mean that it's fully on Adrian Griffin to get that buy-in. Players have to find a way to at least be somewhat bought in or at least fake being bought in a little bit. Everyone does that again in everyday life. So to me, that's where it's at. I I don't mean it as a huge knock on Griffin. And I think some people think that myself or other people who are tweeting about Griffin are, I, I don't care about the 12 and five record. I love that we're 12 and five. It's cool that they're winning games while they're struggling. Like that is not a bad thing for sure, but I still think it's fair to be concerned about stuff and not to be, Oh, it's all sunshine and roses because we're winning these games. Like we're beating the blazers after needing a 26 point comeback. That's not a good thing. The wizards in a back and forth affair with no reason for it to be as close as it was, but it stayed that close the whole time. And you have a chance to beat a Celtics team and you start so poorly that you just can't dig out of it. And I'm rambling now, but I'll let you get your thoughts in in a second here, Gunnar. But I just think that it's it's not meant as like a huge knock on Griffin or like I hate Adrian Griffin. I hated Jason Kidd. I do not hate Adrian Griffin. But I have concerns and I feel like it's fair to have those concerns. And I feel like most of what people are pointing out as concerns are reasonable. I think some people probably take it a step too far with some things, but for the most part, what I've seen when people get upset about a Bucks fan saying like, this is kind of concerning. We need to worry about this and this can't continue all year. People think that's a huge shot at the guy. Like, no, it's just an observation. People are just making observations. So that's where I'm at. Gunner, where are you at on these slow starts and the buy-in? <laughs> You nailed it, so I won't spend too much time in it. But coming off of like a, we just watched Bud again for five years, and we had 
little to no worries in the regular season. If we had a podcast during those years, we might have been relaxed and <laughs> all cheery. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to be great. We, how do we not win the championship this year? And we know that you have to question these things during the regular season because it's going to be a lot different in the playoffs. And um, sort of some of the other stuff, I mean, it, it, it comes down to a personnel thing for me, too. So like your point where um, are they bought in or not? And obviously, to me, the answer is no, because if you look at, say, like a guy like Malik Beasley, when he's like getting, not getting paid a lot this year, but if his one job on the team is to be like to score and make baskets, why would a guy like him who's never played defense in his entire life be asked to go run around like a rabbit and go make, cause havoc and go create all this and then burn himself and he can't make a shot on offense. Now he just screwed himself in his eyes. That's, that's the case. At least um, there's a world where this defense works out really good for some other, other team that has a good personnel. And then we could be sitting here saying, Oh yeah, that's they're all bought in and it works great because they all can do that. Like if you, Again, if Andre Jackson, if he can play all the time and he's got foul problems and everything else, so he's got other stuff to worry about. But I think if you had five guys in the floor who were bought into that, they can do that and they can actually play that way. Yes, then they're bought into it. And I think it's easier to buy in in the last two minutes, three minutes, four minutes of a game when it's that short of a period and you just want to win. And it's just the will to win at that point. And they know that they're good then yeah, maybe Malik's actually going to lock in for the last two minutes and then say, you know what? Yeah, I can I can turn it up for these last two minutes and try to create. Um, I'm trying to think of what ge- like, I was at that game. And I, the game where he had like two steals at the end of the game and him and Dame actually like were making like, they like got two steals and he caught like the last steal um, of the game. Who was that? that he was he the... literally won the game for us. Yeah, defense. they they went to like a 3-2 zone with Payne. Beasley and Dame in that game. Yeah. They were just, they were actually active and they were causing some, right. like, I cannot remember who they were playing. I don't know. It was, but I know what you're talking about. Think, but yeah. So point there again, like zones works in those small spurts and you can get guys to buy in. And then all of a sudden you can create in the right moment in the right time. Yeah. It's going to work. Um, Detroit. Yeah, I think. Yep. So yep. not a good team at all, but we shouldn't have been in that spot. <laughs> not a good team at all, really. Right now, they're like 13 in a row they've lost. Yeah. It's a good thing we didn't do that. But the honest um, ejection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that for the game. And uh, so, yeah, I just think it, it's a lot of its personnel, but that is unfortunately an Adrian Griffin. You got to know your team, too. So um, I guess that was also another small point that I had, too, is I didn't find a way to fit it into the other discussions, but. I've seen a lot of discourse too about maybe mixing it up on defense and having these different looks with different guys in the floor is a bad idea. So like when Brooks out there, we talked about like maybe he's only out there for 20, 25 minutes, but then we do drop. And then if Bobby's out there, then we'll go and have him play up on somebody. And like, then now he's more in his own when Bobby's out there, like it's a lot for guys to think about, which again, going back to the bud point, you have to have different looks that you can go to at different points in the game in the season um, against different teams. It's going to look different if we play the Celtics versus if we play the Heat, that's going to look a lot different in the playoffs. Um, so you have to have different looks. And is it more confusing? Yeah, when your team, again, is your personnel is not great on defense. So having a lot of different looks is probably going to have a lot more growing pains, I guess you could say. Um so then maybe in that way we could be a little bit more relaxed and say we can give them another 10, 15 game to try to figure it out. But I don't know. Like, I just don't see how you can watch, again, a great three-game sample here of that's not a team that's bought in to me when you're 
it's that night and day between a first half and a second half um like it is and then playing down to competition this consistently um whether we win or not like yeah like you said great to win be 12 and 5 but are you just looking at the final box score and even that's not great but like the whole game i'm stressed out into the last three minutes like that should be the case versus the wizards and blazers so to me to answer the question after all that i no i don't think we're bought in very much but hopefully that changes and we've seen that it can work um but i have a hard time believing it and I don't see how Adrian Griffin doesn't have a hard time believing it too after he's watching it. So we'll see how yeah. they fix it. But yeah. And I think you touched on it a little bit, but the mixing it up. And I know a lot of people have been saying, like, hey, this is what we wanted, right? We wanted Bud to mix things up. And I get that. And I think that's a fair point, 100% a fair point. I will say, I think it's a lot different to have a base defense that you 100% can go to. I mean, 90% of the time and be fine. And that's what the Bucks had in their drop. And especially last year with the drop and not overhelping from the wings and the corners and stuff and not just leaving guys for open threes. I think they had found a really good balance there. Now you get a guy like Jimmy and you don't want it going off like you did in that heat series and you don't change anything. That's when it becomes an issue. So testing all these things makes sense to me. I think, think you need to test them with the people that are going to be capable of running them though and that's why and that's what you were saying and that's what a lot of people have been pointing out like testing even the first four games like testing brook in that high like trap and in blitz and all that like he's never going to be able to do that having bobby guarding ball handlers 35 feet from the rim he's never going to be able to do that it doesn't matter what the situation is he can't do it but if you're going to have multiple defenses run, I think you got to stop making it so that, and I think it was Bucks breakdown, I want to say on Twitter, who was pointing this out, but they said, or they pointed out that when sometimes they've got Bobby and Brooke in and they're running the two different coverages, like they're in together and they're running the two different coverages at the same time. And then if they run like a one, three, like a one, like a, like a three screening for a point guard, then they're doing a different, like there's way yeah. too much for it. And it's not even the guy who's guarding the screener. It's the guy who's guarding the ball who then has to somehow figure out who's behind him screening him and how he's supposed to play it. Like that doesn't make any sense. You can communicate all you want, but in a quick, like we're setting a screen or we're slipping a screen or whatever, like players cannot, they can't figure that stuff out that quickly on the fly. Nobody can. It's not a fair thing to ask them to do. So if you want to say, we want all of these in our toolbox, that's fine, but break them up, practice them at different points in games or, or different games, and then be able to bring them out when you need them. But when you have too many things going on at once, it's, it's kind of like with an offense who's got too many scorers. It's too many cooks in the kitchen and it's too much going on. And there's too many things that you have to worry about instead of just letting them kind of figure things out in a base defense or in a you got two different options like okay if a guard screens then we're going to switch but if it's a big we're going to be in drop like that's fine or if bobby's in and brooks not we're going to blitz and if brooks in and bobby's not we're going to be in drop like that's fine players can figure that stuff out in the moment 
But if you're asking them to do all three of those things at once, I, I don't think players can figure that out. And I think that's when players get frustrated. And now why are you buying into something that you're getting frustrated about? And you're not, you just, you have a hard time believing in it yourself or just figuring it out on the fly. So yeah, I, I think there's like, there's plenty of reason. I get most of the people who are saying like he deserves time. And I get a lot of the arguments that are made in his favor. Like there's reason behind what he's doing. And I get that 100%. But I also think there's plenty of reason why people who are saying like, Hey, this doesn't really make sense. Even if it's fine to test things, it doesn't make sense no matter what. So why are we testing something that'll never work? I think that's a pretty, pretty reasonable stance to have too. So I did get We did get a question on Twitter from Alex Tompter, one of my, uh, one of my good buddies who definitely is not listening to this, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Um, He asked, do you ever find yourselves cheering for your opinion or a past tweet or a blog or whatever to be correct over cheering for your team to actually win or be better? And I think that was somewhat pointed at me. So I'm going to take this one. It definitely was. (laughs) So Tomter has always given me crap about my tweeting, even back when I was, playing against him in college for baseball. But I'll say this. When I tweet something, I promise you I am not just throwing out my random thoughts and opinions at you guys. Gunner gets those in texts. I, <laughs> I don't put them out in the public sphere on Twitter. I like to keep those to my more well thought out and things that I actually like. I, I genuinely believe stuff when I put it on Twitter, like that is my thought. And that's, I will stand by it. And if I think it's really stupid, I will delete it within 24 hours. (laughs) I don't go back and delete old tweets, but if I see later on that I said something really dumb, you might find me deleting it within a day. I feel like that's a fair buffer. That's all I'm going to say on that. But yeah, um, when I put stuff out there, like I genuinely believe in it. And I also am, I'll call myself out if I'm wrong. Um, in 2021, I 100% did not believe that the Bucks could win the finals with Bud as their coach at midseason. I didn't. And when they won, I Mid apologized playoffs. to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, game two of the game next seven. series. I was. Yeah. Game two, <laughs> game seven. I mean, he could have been fired. And it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. season was wasted. And imagine if you had that tweet beginning of game seven or whatever, and you tweeted out saying, <laughs> oh, my God, this guy, he's just rooting or whatever. Game five, I guess, was the one that we choked. Yeah. So game six, we won. So game five, you say, oh, this guy, Lee, can't take him anymore. Like, our season's over. And then all of a sudden, we win the championship. Well, there you go. You weren't not rooting for the Bucks. No. You're excited about the Bucks. <laughs> clearly. No. I still very much want wrong. the Bucks to win. And I, I, I'll say it this way, that for the too long didn't read folks at home, um, I am very happy to be proven wrong, and I am especially happy to be proven wrong when it's a positive for my team that I'm rooting for. Like, in the end, as much as I try to be measured with my thoughts and I try to be kind of like a – I try to break stuff down past beyond just random opinions and stuff and just reactionary stuff, I am a fan, and I want my teams to win beyond anything else. So since that was mostly pointed at me, I figured I'd throw that one. <laughs> but Gunner, do you have any thoughts on that type of stuff? You kind of threw in a couple no. of years, but yeah, I mean, we'll always root for the team over our opinions. I mean, if 
like I said, Adrian Griffin, he could turn it around tomorrow. And then all of a sudden we go on this huge hot streak. We're not yeah. going to say we were wrong for this time that we were not ripping him, but we had questions about what he was doing. No, he corrected it. So now we're happy and we, we can move on. And then we, whatever, <laughs> I, complain I about will the next happily thing. sing his praises at the end of this year. If everything looks great when we get to the playoffs and we're winning games and right. they go on a run, like I'll, I'll love Adrian Griffin forever. <laughs> and I was at the <laughs> Blazers game. Yeah, I was at that Blazers game. I wanted to throw up about a quarter and a half or a half and a quarter and a half into the game. But was I still screaming that we were winning and coming back? Yeah, I was excited. And like, I can still have two things at once. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's my only thought is obviously we're going to root for the team over whatever our opinion is. I'm not, yeah. That's never above what I'm rooting for. I'm always no. excited when the Bucks win. We're yeah. rooting for the Bucks to win against the Wizards when it's neck and neck, but we're internally sweating like what the hell is going on but yeah yeah no i mean there is an element everybody wants to be right about stuff that they say there's everybody does in everything like why well i'm always you... right i never said that but that's <laughs> that's the problem too is when you're always right you just <laughs> how can i ever look back if i'm always right and you're always right too so yeah yeah that's a great point we are always right and we have never been wrong so i don't even get the point of the question in general but um no it's I think there are people out there who are like that. So I think it's a fair question. I think some people would, oh, for sure. there are people who would much rather be proven. I think it's <laughs> Brewer fans are a pretty good example of this at times where they would much, I think they would rather see the Brewers miss the playoffs instead of making it because they Just said before the season Kessinger. that they didn't spend money. And Oh yeah. There are Brewer fans who absolutely would love for Keston here to destroy the Brewers moving forward just to prove a point. But um, yeah, I, that's my answer to it. I I actually do think it's a good question. I'm not <laughs> knocking Tom at all. I think it's a very legitimate yeah, question, no. but um, that's where we both stand on it. So moving on to what's coming up for the Bucks, the the big one is well, it'll be tomorrow after this releases. So no, it'll be the same day this releases. It'll be yeah, so Tuesday, nice. the Miami Heat game. So. I kind of want to, we haven't somehow touched on this at all in the other Bucks episodes, but this is an in-season tournament game. If the Bucks win, I believe they clinch their pool at yeah. 4-0. And... I think we can lose two, and, but it'll be close with like our, we got a lot of points back with the Hornets game. So yep. it'll just come down to point differential, but there's a way that we can lose and still make it, but you win and you're in for sure. Yep. And I guess how are, how are you feeling about the in-season tournament? Do you do you care as a fan if the Bucks go on a run and win it, or is it just kind of a secondary thing where it's just, it just feels like a regular season game and you're not really mm-hmm. paying attention to it? I think it's a little bit of both. Like I, as just like a fan, I just kind of view it as a regular season game. Like if we lose tomorrow, I'm not gonna. I'll be normally sad as I nor- like I normally am. I'm not gonna be like, oh, we missed out on the in season cup why why did we lose we should have played everybody 48 minutes what were we doing um but as far as the league goes i mean they're getting what the, i think the ratings are actually up for these games i heard so they're getting what they want and i just think it's no harm no foul in my opinion like okay like guys worst case they play harder worst case or best case they play harder worst cases it's just they viewed it as a regular season game and life goes on like it normally did but 
it'll be weird if say the Bucks do win it is what I'm thinking about. And then I know we're going to get memed to heck on Twitter or whatever, like whoever wins, <laughs> this is going to be a joke. So um, in a way, I mean, I'll actually be surprised to see if people actually do kind of celebrate it and it, it'll probably have to be a team like the Pacers. I think if they win it or some like smaller market team who hasn't had a lot of success and they win it, I could see people actually being excited for that. But if it's like the Bucks or the Celtics, and then you don't make it to the playoffs or we'll make it to the playoffs, but you don't make it far in the playoffs. It'll yeah. be a joke then like, Hey, you got your championship or whatever. But um, yeah, to me, it's just like no harm, no foul. But what are you thinking about it? Yeah, I guess keeping with the theme of sort of admitting when I'm wrong, I, I was kind of against the tournament. And at this point in the season, I'm a fan of it. I think they did a really good job with it. That's actually continuing. I I mean, I had the same exact thing with baseball's pitch clock this past season. I was very against it. By the end of the year, I was pretty in on it. Um, maybe I just need to be a little more open to change. Maybe that's a theme I should be following and listening to a little bit more on Adrian Griffin and trying to give him more chance to, to show me why change is good. But I think it's been great, and I, I think the main reason is that Dame – had my favorite point of all the players as to why they care and why they should care about it. And that was that, no, that 500,000 to Dame and Giannis and Chris and Brooke and those guys. Yes. It's a, it's still a lot of money, but it's to them, it's, it's kind of chump change. It's nothing that's going to be like, okay, I want to lay my body on the line for $500,000 when I make that in a week. If not, I mean, I make that in two games for most of them. But for the A.J. Greens and the, I mean, Chris Livingston's, the Lindell Wiggingtons, those types of guys on the team who, that's their salary. They're doubling their salary if they win that 500000 And Dane pointed out that, like, if you're a good teammate and you care about your teammates, you should want it for them more than anybody else because that could change their entire lives. And I thought that was such a good point. I hadn't really looked at it that way. And I would hope that most NBA players can have that perspective on like, okay, yeah, this doesn't mean that much to me money-wise, but this is a big deal for some of these guys. And I would hope that as a teammate of somebody, you would care about them. So I've enjoyed it from that perspective, just kind of thinking about how like, okay, this would be really cool for, those two ways and for the rookies and the guys who might never get a second contract. But I also think it has been competitive. And I think people have been, we've seen questionable bucks play in situations where I'm not sure they would have played. They were questionable on the injury report and then they played in the game and they, I'm not sure they would have, if it was just a normal regular season game. And that's one of the big aims of it. So stuff like that. We had our starters out there. And we were up by like 25 plus whatever it was. Yeah. And we had him out. And then Adrian's like, yeah, we were trying to get like the point differential up for the in-season tournament. Like when would that ever happen? And I think somebody got, I think like DeMar I heard got like ejected because he, somebody, yeah. it was like a blowout or somebody and somebody shot a three because they wanted the point differential because everyone plays to the buzzer now. Right. Which is kind of nice in a way. I mean, I know whatever the unwritten rules, maybe this will actually get rid of that now because maybe nobody will actually care anymore about it. But he like argued it because somebody shot a three and he had no idea why they shot the three at the end. But I think both teams actually got eliminated too, which is even funnier. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, stuff like that, I think is maybe where like the, it kind of gets weird when guys play to the end. Cause you're not used to that, but in a way, I mean, that's kind of a fun tiebreaker. If you think about it for playoffs and stuff and just in yeah. general, if teams have to play to the end and it actually matters, like you're going to just in general, you're going to get guys playing harder just cause they have to run up the score or whatever, even if it's close. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I know they've done it in Europe for a long time that way where that's a tiebreaker, a big tiebreaker. And to me, that's, I don't like as somebody who is a pretty big proponent of like not showing up the other team when I play sports. But to me, that's never been showing someone up. That's just playing. You could, you could do it in a way that shows them up by being a dickhead about it when you're on the court. But like, it doesn't mean you are showing them up just by going and taking a free layup that they didn't get back on defense for with 20 seconds left. Like you'll get back. So if they're playing and they're actually trying to add these points for a reason, I think that's a good thing. And it would be, like you said, I think it'd make it a lot less likely that people are going to freak out about those things. And um, I think that's a good thing going forward. So just to touch on the actual game quick, is there anything specifically? I mean, we've touched on the defense and a faster start. I'm assuming that's probably where we're going with this, but anything specifically you want to see improvement on for this game? Yeah, I mean, it'll just be everything the opposite of what we were <laughs> bitching about. But uh, just the one thing is we saw it a little bit in the first game right away, but Giannis on Jimmy, I just, we need to see that. That was what we went to in the 2021 playoffs is those guys going against each other. Um He's by far the best defender on Jimmy for whatever reason. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but whatever. I mean, it just works. So I just want yeah. to see that happen. Um, but that's just the one new thing that I have to say outside of I'm just going to be beating a dead horse if I repeat everything I just said. So um, that's the one thing I'm looking for. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. I think it's Jimmy's not the quickest laterally, which is what Giannis can struggle with on the perimeter, but he likes to shoot over people, and that's not going to be super easy with a guy like Giannis in your face. So he's a very good matchup for Jimmy. I Just a small tangent. I know a lot of people like seeing him on the perimeter. I'm not 100% sure that's actually a great idea most of the time, but I do think in certain situations like Jimmy, it makes a lot of sense. So I agree with that. I hope he's on him tomorrow, and I hope – the Heat don't do their normal thing where they can annoy Giannis into doing stupid stuff. And I'd love to see a, a fast start and a fast finish and a real nice win. And it'd be cool to clinch a clinch the pool in the in-season tournament. And I, I'll just be curious to see how it goes. I mean, that's more, more than anything. I'm curious about how this is going to look as it keeps going forward. But yeah, yeah, I am um, in Miami too, which has been our, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I we just can never score there. It's just always horrible. Whatever whenever we go to Miami, it's just a horrible experience outside of the championship year. So yes, this could be cool be to clinch 80... it in in Miami too. Yeah, this could be an eighty eight to eighty three game or something, just ridiculously yep. gross, but we'll see. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts or anything you want to share before we Nope, that's take it. Take it away. All right. Well, thank you for those of you who are listening. And again, just please like and subscribe or um, whatever, whatever you can do on whatever platform you're following along on. And again, as always, please feel free to leave us feedback on how we can get better. We... We know that, I mean, it's still a work in progress. I think these Bucks ones, we end up rambling more 
So that one might be something I'm going to give myself a little feedback, not to do that as much moving forward. No, but... I do it too, for sure. I was trying my notes today. was just like, be concise and just don't <laughs> ramble, like get your points <laughs> off and pass it to Spencer. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking it too. And then I didn't. So whatever. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening and we will see you again next time. I think we're going to be doing a brewer prospect pod on the next one. So Thanks for listening and be sure to check that one out. Yep. See you guys.